the Lord. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, if you could turn there in the Word of God this morning. We were at, um, a few of us were outreach on um, Friday night and um, a few people uh, there preaching and whatever else, but we did meet one fellow, I met Damien, um, and um, after we, uh, later in the, in the night we had a chat, we were witnessing and, and um, we really had this, uh, a kindred spirit, so that was a real blessing. Um, and, and witnessed and I left at about 11 o'clock that night, which I usually leave about 9.30, So, uh, but uh, it was a real, it was just a blessing. I met some young men as well who were from the Romanian, uh, sorry, Romanian Pentecostal Church in Nari Warren, so I think Sam and a few others may even know who they are. And um, there was about five or six of them out there on the street that had come to witness and share the gospel. And I was just speaking with them, and and they were, I was really encouraged as well. They were really, you know, um, committed to to the Lord, and, and you really sense that. So it's a real blessing um, to be out uh, on the streets there on on um, on Friday night. And so for those that are going today, uh, be blessed. Praise the Lord. All right, well, this morning I want to consider with you the life of Moses and specifically, obviously, as we're going to look at um, Hebrews chapter 11, but there's a specific phrase that I want to focus on within uh, Hebrews 11 and it forms the title of my message this morning, which is uh, a familiar uh, phrase. It is called, Esteeming the Reproach of Christ. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. And it's no coincidence that we find such a phrase in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter of the Bible, and as it relates to Moses himself. And so we're going to consider some aspects here in the text and we're going to look at uh, Moses himself. I mean, we can read those uh, Old Testament books such as Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy and we can learn much about Moses but um, there are other scriptures within the Bible especially here in the New Testament in this chapter that give us also further insight to Moses himself and there's something here that I want us to draw upon and relate it to ourselves this morning as we consider this theme the esteeming the reproach of Christ and what I want you to note before we read the text is uh, out of seven verses that we're going to read, five of them have start with this statement, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. That's five times. Now, you think the Holy Spirit's trying to say something? When it comes to this and so there's something that we want to grasp here and learn from the life of Moses and obviously the whole chapter uh, 11 itself but the principle remains the same and we want to consider here uh, the, the life of Moses because there's much for us to learn and apply. Moses had to make decisions in his life. Moses had to face some serious issues in relation to who, he's, what, who he was and the choices that he was going to make and really when you consider that it reflects upon the Christian life 
and the one who will choose to serve Jesus or even to the Christian who will continue to make decisions to live a committed and faithful life and to fulfil the plan and purpose of God for their own lives. And so let's look and let's read as we consider esteeming the reproach of Christ this morning in Hebrews 11 verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ... Greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the, the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith. Moses. Now what's interesting is the first time in, in verse 23 that we find this expression, it's not, <clears throat> though it involves Moses, it's not directly related to Moses. It's especially speaking about Moses' parents. And the, it says here that when he was born, uh, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. You see, the first attribute of faith is found right here, not in Moses, but in his parents. And in doing so, what we begin to realise is that it started and obviously had an impact and influence, I believe, at a certain point later in Moses' life, and we'll see that. But the point is, is that they demonstrated and acted upon and were commended by, by God for their faith because the scripture says they saw that he was a beautiful child. Now you look at that and you think, oh, Moses was more cuter than the other babies. That's not what it's saying, okay? <laughs> In actual fact, when it talks about Moses, what, it refer, what it, the scripture is referring to is that um, they recognised that and they believe that God had a plan and a purpose for their son and that, they, that, that, that somehow that there was a call of God, that, that God was going to use this boy and so therefore as a result of that, as the Egyptians were going about and, uh, and killing all the male children, they deliberately, as a result of their faith and their confidence and trust in God, they hid him for three months not fearing the wrath of the king because had they obviously had, had this come to light, the child obviously would have died and also they would have been in serious trouble themselves. By faith, they acted in this manner. They said, we believe that God has a specific plan and purpose for our son. And this is the faith that no doubt would have uh, uh, had an influence and a, an effect upon Moses at a later point in his life. And as we see in verse 24, I believe this is where it's revealed because it says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
when Moses became of age, once he matured at exactly that age, I'm not particularly sure, but regardless, it was the age of maturity and to some degree in which Moses then began to realise who he really was. Having, you know the story, having grown up uh, in Pharaoh, uh, with Pharaoh's um, daughter <coughs> and in the house of Pharaoh uh, and, uh, and trained in, in the uh, education of the Egyptians and growing up in the palace of, uh, of Egypt. And so you could just picture all of this, all this grandeur uh, lifestyle that Moses has inherited uh, because... Uh, you know the story when they did release him into the river and he was taken by Pharaoh's daughter. She raised him as his own and so forth. So here it is, over this whole course of his life, he's grown up in Pharaoh's household. And everything that comes with it, the pomp and the prestige and the wealth. And then you could just picture as he's growing up and as he's living, it's begin to play on his mind because he identifies and realises through various circumstances who he really is, his identity. And he knows in his heart that he's a Hebrew. He knows that he's not an Egyptian. And so as he begins to realise this, as he begins to ponder and consider these issues, he is faced with some very difficult decisions. He's going to have to make a choice. You can just sense the pressure is building. And in his conscience he can't continue to live this way and he comes to a point and that point is a point of uh, decision that's going to change his life forever. It's going to change the course of his life forever. And how is he going to make such a decision? The scripture says in verse 24, by faith, by faith, he refused. Now notice that it says by faith he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, this, was, this is not a passive action. This is telling us that he uh, was a very offensive in the manner in which he approached this. He got to a point where he said, enough is enough, I can't do this anymore and he, re- he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had uh, that word refused in the Greek, uh, it means to contradict, to disavow, to reject, to abnegate. And he said, I'm prepared to, to give it all up. I'm prepared at any cost. I have determined in my heart, I am publicly and I am refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because I am not. The pressure on him would have been immense. Immense. And Egypt, no doubt, and, uh, and Pharaoh's daughter would no doubt were putting all this pressure on him and appealing to him, don't do this, Moses. The cost is too great. You've got everything. Look at where we brought you and what you have. And if you make this choice and identify with them, you'll have nothing. You'll forfeit it all. But you see, Moses had reached a point in his life where the faith, once he understood his own identity and his own history, He said he understood the faith of his parents and now that was impacting and influencing him and he reached a point in his life where by faith he made the necessary decisions and choices that had to be made in relation to these things. Now what was the result of his choice? Look at verse 25. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now think about that because as you read this, you begin to identify that there's a reference here to Moses and it's making an application to the Christian, to the believer and follower of God in general. And we understand from Scripture, quite basic, that Egypt is a picture of the world. And so what we have, when we look at Moses' life as a, as a type, we begin to see that the very issues that he faced and the very issues that he had to deal with are, are the very ones we have to do with as well. We will pass in the same way and follow the same steps and we too will have to make choices. We too will be brought to a point of decision in our own lives as to who we will serve and what choice are we going to make. And so Moses had to consider the passing pleasures of sin. See, every Christian will have to deal with these particular issues and the motivating force behind the choices that Moses is making is his faith his faith the scripture says that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God he chose to be afflicted than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin that word enjoy literally means to hold on to to hold on to the passing pleasures of sin, everything that Egypt was, or in, in relation to the Christian, everything that the world is. You see, the world, uh, people hold on to and enjoy the, pla- the passing pleasure of sin and they think that that's where life is to be lived. Oh, you know what? It's all about having fun, Right? It's all about enjoyment. It's all about uh, 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 having such uh, uh, enjoyment and holding on to these things. And so what happens is the call of God is to take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ and forsake all and lose your life. But we wait, I'm at a point where I'm enjoying the pleasures of sin. I like living in Egypt. And then... I like to go to church on Sunday, but you see, you can't do that. There's a choice that has to be made. And so this is what this is reflective of. And so we can't enjoy the pleasures of sin. We can't hold on to these things. Moses knew that he had to make that choice. It was either to reject all or it was going to be to hold on to those things on which, and the pleasures of which he enjoyed there in Egypt. See, we can't underestimate this particular issue. Again, I I remember specifically when I was only a Christian for one month and a very close friend of mine who had become a a professing Christian at that time and um, and after one month we both realised that we had to make a decision because, you know what, we had to stop enjoying the pleasures of Egypt and sin. And you know what? I couldn't go to the, the. I couldn't live that lifestyle anymore. I couldn't visit those places that I was visiting anymore. And I was at a point in my life, and I said, you know what? I, I, I don't care. I'm not going back. I don't want those things. And my friend said at that time, he said, you know what? I'm, I don't. I'm not. I'm not prepared to give those things up. Because he enjoyed the passing pleasures of sin. And in doing so, from that day forward, we were went in different directions. 
different directions. And I, you know, every few months I would pass and, and say hello because I still counted him as a friend. But the association was no longer because I was not going in that direction. I was not going in those places. I burnt up the, uh, the music that I was listening to. I threw away and got rid of uh, all, all that stuff uh, and I began read my Bible and began to listen to uh, Christian uh, music and, you know, what it was then and, you know, and all the rest of it, if you can use that term. But nevertheless, whatever it was, uh, it was to worship God. My mind, my life was consumed with God, God, God. Oh, something wrong there? No. Because that's what had gripped my heart and I enjoyed the Lord. Amen. I was holding on to God. Something had shifted, something had changed and choices were made and I was blessed as a result of my choices and he made his choice and I can, years down the road, I look back. In actual fact, I tell you the truth, it was some maybe 10 15 years, 10 years later, I can't remember how long, maybe 10 to 15 years later, he searched me out, left a letter in my mum's letterbox and said, where is Gary? Finally, my mum got in contact with me, he found me and then he said, he came and visited me and at that point he gave his life to the Lord. Because he'd wasted, he'd enjoyed the pleasures of sin and got nowhere. So you can see how these things work. God will test our faith and we must pass the test because by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm not of this world. We need to be, we, can we say that? I am not of this world. So it's, it brings us to verse 26 and this is the, the, the point that I want to focus on, these words. Look, it says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Now, think about that. Esteemed, now we're talking about Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt because he looked for the reward. Now, think about this for a moment. Because at first glance, you read that and you can just skip it and think, oh, well, he, Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. Now, we're reading the New Testament, we're Christians, that makes sense to us, right? But think about it, how did Moses esteem the reproach of Christ? What is the scripture telling us? Because Moses didn't know who Jesus is. Moses had no understanding uh, in terms of, of, of Jesus Christ himself. So when the scripture says this, what is it that it's saying? We can easily just glance over that without fully grasping, but you see, there is a practicality to Moses' faith in scripture when it speaks to this, and when it says that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, it must be understood what it's referring to, and this is what it has to do with. It has to do with... The, Moses' expectation of the Messiah who is to come. That's what we touched upon in our study um, the other day. And, and so here's Moses. He has a knowledge. Not, he doesn't have a specific knowledge, but he would have known 
And in doing so, this formulated his belief because he, like his people, they were waiting for the Christ. That word, the Christ, is the anointed one. They are waiting for the Messiah to come. Their hope is not in Egypt and everything and the wealth of Egypt and the treasures of Egypt and the pleasures of Egypt, but they're waiting for a Redeemer. They're waiting for the Messiah who has been promised right from the beginning uh, in relation to the seed of the woman. And this promise that has already been traced and has to do with the hope of his forefathers and with Abraham and his people. And here they are, slaves in Egypt, and he's in, uh, they're slaves, and he's living in, in, the, in, in the Pharaoh's palace, and he rejects it all because I'm going to esteem the reproach of Christ. I'm going to bear the reproach that comes with saying, you know what, I'm going to wait until Messiah comes. I'm going to wait for the fulfilment of God's prophetic plan and purpose and that which he has declared in his word. And that is the basis, I believe, of Moses' faith when it says he esteemed the, uh, the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. His parents were waiting for this as well. And that was why they had faith and thought, our son has a part to play in this purpose. Is that what it, or was it when the scripture says that he was, they saw that he was beautiful, they just said, oh look at his cutie, cutie, cutie. No, they had faith and a confidence that this child was destined to fulfill God's plan and purpose as they had, un, had come to understand it. And so it was. You see, he made his choices, Moses. That word there in verse 26, he esteemed. It means, it's not just a haphazard decision. It's not a hasty choice, okay? The word esteemed here means to consider, to think upon, and then to judge. So Moses had to contemplate these things. He had to process them in his mind. And in doing so, he reached a considered uh, point where he made a judgment and he made his choice. That's what Joshua was saying to, as uh, Brother John read that this morning. Choose this day whom you will serve. Consider what I'm saying. Consider these things and make a choice. That's why, um, uh, who was it, um, uh, Elijah, in, in dealing with the prophets of Baal and the people of Israel, he says, how long will you falter? That word falter means how long will you skip around the issue? How, much will, how long will you avoid making the choice that you're going to have to make? Who will you serve? And you must esteem, you must consider and you must make an ultimate judgment and an ultimate choice. And this is where Moses had come to. The scripture says, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches. He considered, he esteemed that the reproach of Christ was greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Now think about that because that word reproach means to defame, means to be taunted, to revile, to be reviled, to be railed at. Could you imagine Moses when he said, I'm a Hebrew, I, I refuse to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Could you imagine the ridicule? Moses, you're stupid. 
Are you crazy? Do you know what you are doing? And then when he made the decision, they would have laughed at him. They said, this guy's nuts. You see, because that's what the world will do when you get serious about Jesus. They'll look at you and they'll, they'll, they'll reproach you and, they'll bring, and you will bear the same level of reproach. But you see, uh, praise God for that because Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches. Greater riches, the reproach? How does that make sense to the world? It's not, it's completely the opposite. But you see, this is what Hebrews is telling us. And the, that reproach... See, the world, let me say this, the world should not love Christians. And if they do, they can only love us to a certain point because if we are true to Christ, there will be a a reproach because we'll cross paths. We don't don't swim in this, we're swimming against the current. We're going against the grain. And so somewhere along the lines, we're going to be, we will challenge, we will stand on their toes. You can't be friends with the world. It only goes so far because you're going to have to make a choice. Now, the Bible says that esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. He looked at that which was to come. He looked for the anointed one who was going to come and and bring salvation, amen, who was going to come and he saw God and he saw the plan of God. He saw the, understood to a degree the prophetic purposes of God. And Moses said, I'm pinning everything on that. That's why he's a hero of faith because there was nothing else but faith. That's all he had. Moses didn't have the burning bush experience at this stage. Okay, he hadn't, you know, he hadn't come into contact with an, an encounter with God in this manner. This is just some things that are playing themselves out, and uh, when he reached an age of maturity, and so he, these choices were already made. These determinations were already made. So he had no advantage in any sense to anyone else. And so we're seeing a, a strong faith. He's looked to the reward. He knew what was. There were promises and there was a purpose in this and his faith was strengthened. So look at verse 27. As a result, by faith, he forsook Egypt. He gave it all up. He forsook Egypt. He left and gave it all for this promise, for this plan, for this purpose of God, for this, which he didn't really even understand. He didn't understand. He just knew that God had said and what God had promised and he looked around him and he said, this is it. And he'd come to a point where he'd said, you know what, if I die, I die. If I, I will suffer affliction with my people. These are slaves. They have nothing. They're in poverty. They possess nothing. And he said, I would rather bear the reproach, I would rather suffer affliction than live in that palace and have all the treasures and all the pleasures of Egypt. Glory to God, that is faith, church. It's an attitude that we have to have. And he saw Christ. It says uh, in verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
seeing him who is invisible. That's faith. Faith is seeing him who is invisible. Faith is seeing. We walk by faith, not by sight. We see through the eyes of faith that which has been written, that which has been proclaimed. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 there. Go back. And Moses, as well as many others that are listed in this chapter of faith, it says in verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland and truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. They all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them. They saw the invisible, they saw God and they had faith in what they understood had been revealed and see, that's the whole basis of faith, isn't it? As we know, Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's seeing the invisible. It's knowing that it's true. It's knowing that it's real. It's having the confidence and assurance and then embracing that to, to the degree of whatever it costs and it can cost you everything. We live in Australia. The cost is not that high. But I tell you, go to other parts of the world and it costs people everything to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And so, and, and, and why? By faith. They esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches, and by which it is glory to God. You see, I've, I've always said it, and I say it again, the level of your obedience to God is directly related to your faith. The level of your obedience to God is directly related to your faith. This is the principle. Look at verse 28. I'll just touch on these briefly. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So this has to do by faith and, and we know this is a picture of Christ. We understand this is a shadow and teaches us about the blood and the sprinkling of blood and the, and the atonement for sin and so forth. So by faith uh, he did these things as he got instructed by God and by faith they passed through the Red Sea as to dry land. And that Red Sea, as we know in, in Scripture, is symbolic of baptism and water baptism. And so when a person makes a decision to follow Jesus, amen, they are going to have to pass through the Red Sea and the waters. And in doing so, then those waters will close up. And you know what? I'm on my way to the promised land, praise the Lord, and I have forsaken Egypt. And water baptism signifies and teaches us that as, as one of its meanings. Let's look further. Let's go further now. I, want to, I, I just want to look with you specifically at the reproach of Christ as it, it relates to ourselves. Because the, the application of all this is obviously very self-evident. But you see, we know that in Hebrews 11.6, it tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is what God is looking for. See, God is concerned with our faith this morning. And when I say that, I don't mean how, maybe how small or how great your faith may be. We can be at various stages in relation to our, our journey and our walk and relationship with God. So what, and, and yes, our, our faith is to grow, it is to be strengthened, and we see that in Scripture, but the issue I'm talking about is not so much whether you have small or great faith, the issue I'm talking about is the authenticity of your faith. God wants authentic faith. Even if it's a seed, the size of a seed of a mustard seed. A mustard seed. doesn't matter how small, how great it is, it's the authenticity that God's looking for and he wants to see real faith in us. Not just words that we speak that can be cheap. He wants to see the actions and the choices that we will make because that's how we show God that we trust him. That's how we show God that we have faith. By our obedience to him in relation to the issues of life, especially to those things that he would speak to us uh, and deal with us about. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, <coughs> I'll, read it, um, I'll read from verse 3 actually. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The genuineness of your faith or the trial of your faith. And that, that's what happens in the Christian life. None of us are exempt from this. The circumstances and the various trials of life, everything that we endure in this life, amen, God is working in and through to fulfil his plan and his purpose and we must hold on. Amen. We must hold fast to the profession of our faith. We hold fast, we hold on. And, the, 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 and through the trial of faith, listen to this, your faith gets stronger. Unfortunately for some it can get weaker. But scripturally speaking, it is to be stronger. And I know that some of my faith has been increased and strengthened out of the most, ter ter most turmoil and difficult trials of my life. And I, I'm sure you can relate to what I'm saying this morning, but the genuineness of our faith. So like Moses this morning, have we considered and esteemed the reproach of Christ? Like Moses, have we refused? Have you made a deliberate, determined decision to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? You, have you made the decision to say, you know what, I am sick and tired of this world, I am not of this world, I don't want the treasures of this world, I don't want the pleasures of this world, I want Christ. Yes. Have you refused? Have you considered the riches, uh, have you considered greater riches, the reproach as greater riches? Because the Bible says that Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches. Have you esteemed, have you made a considered account and calculated decision 
and determination and judgment to say, you know what, the reproach of Christ is what I want. The reproach of Christ is great riches. Praise the Lord. And have we chosen to suffer affliction with the people of God? Because I tell you what, what will happen is when you make this choice, be ready, you will be, be prepared because we will suffer affliction to some level at least. Here in Australia it's growing in terms of our rejection and the opposition and some of the things that are going on around us. But at the end of the day, we have to stand up and we have to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And in the future that could mean, you know what, I might not... I might not I might not be able to even get the job I want. Because now all these, you know, in the world, now you have all these companies and they have these values and if you don't fit the values and that, you know, then all of a sudden you, you're put in this position. Are you going to keep silent and go along with the values of the company? Are you going to say, or are we going to have indi- be, be individuals in Christ and we're going to just say, this is who I am, this is what I believe. But if you do, it's going to cost you. You see, we're facing things of this nature and going ahead. Now, we're not going to be obnoxious about things, but we're not going to just be silent either. We will speak when it's required and we will, we will speak the truth and in doing so, we will bear a reproach and it could cost you something. But the Lord will direct your steps. See, what did Jesus say in John 15, verse 18? If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. A servant is not greater than his master. And if Jesus suffered the reproach, if Jesus bore the revilings in which he did, the rejection and everything that he suffered, then... Jesus says, well, if they hated me, do you think they're going to love you? I mean, he was a guy who did miracles, healed the sick. I mean, you know, there was so many observable things in his life and yet still they put him to death. And so we must understand that a servant is not greater than his master. You can't avoid this as well as what Jesus is saying. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, if I just do this or do that, well... You know, sometimes to avoid, to avoid uh, affliction, do you have to compromise? And if you compromise, is that really what God would have you to do? You see, because we have to bear the reproach. But listen to what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It hasn't changed. Look at the read your Bible. And so when we, whatever comes our way, amen, rather than feel sorry for ourselves, we esteem the reproach of Christ. I count it a privilege. I count it a joy. And rather than feel sorry for oneself, uh, yes, there is a cost, I understand that, but still we transition that very quickly because we understand the word of God and Jesus said, listen, don't, don't worry, blessed are you, great is your reward in heaven. Whatever, you, whatever it costs you now, whatever you lose for the cause of Christ, who cares? 
at the end of the day, our reward is, awaits us. And well done, good and faithful servant. And we'll enter in to eternal things, praise the, praise the Lord. You know, remember Peter and John? In Acts 5, they had been uh, um, uh, apprehended and, and they were instructed not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they didn't listen and they were apprehended again. And so in Acts 5, they, the Bible says is that they beat them. And after they beat them, they let them go. And the Bible says that Peter and John went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, to the world, they think you're insane. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> it's one of those concepts. It's like it's only the Christian can understand that. Only the child of God who knows Christ can understand this. And so uh, Peter and John, they waltz out, count, they rejoice that they were counted worthy. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> they were just beaten. You see, I thought about this and I thought about Peter because we see here what it did. But you know, Peter wasn't always like that. You know the story of Peter. Here he was with Christ and he gets, you know, and he's, Lord, even if everyone denies you, not me. Not me, Jesus. I'll die for you. You know? And so Jesus uh, predicts his denial. And you know the story. Jesus den uh, Peter denies Jesus three times. So let's be real. We can look at, we can look at Peter in Acts 5 and, and think, fantastic. But you know what? Let's look at some, the, the context of his whole life. And there was a time where he failed, where his faith was tested. And, and Jesus even said to Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Even through what he went through, God, we know, restored him and we know God was now using him. And so uh, his faith, Jesus' prayer was that his faith would not fail. And so that's it for us too. It doesn't matter, you may have failed at various times. You may have fallen short. You may have sinned against God, whatever the case may be. But you know what? You can get right before God. All you have to do is just repent and confess your sin and you know what? You can be restored unto the Lord and you can go forward exactly as God has ordained and planned for each of us. And like Peter, amen, we can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when we, we bear the reproach. There was a day when it affected us because we were too self-conscious, too, too worried about ourselves and what people thought of us, the fear of man. But now it's like, who cares? Because I've esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches. And you can see how this works. Let me just read a couple of scriptures. 1 Timothy 4.9 This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. We, then we quote, when I mean, we have a scripture like that, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But that's not what it says. It says, For to this end we both labour labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the saviour of all men, especially those who believe. What's, faith, what's the faithful saying and what's worthy of all acceptance? That we'll suffer reproach. You can bet on it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory 
and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he's glorified. That's why Peter was rejoicing. He finally understood that in him bearing the reproach of Christ, God was being glorified. may have been blasphemed on their part, but in him God was being glorified. And there comes, it's not about me, it's about him. And even out of that level of reproach, Christ is being glorified and manifested in me. And therefore, I will rejoice. And if it means, if my life is to die for Christ, to give glory to him, then let it be, whatever it is that the Lord would will. It runs a bit contrary to the prosperity gospel, doesn't it? (laughs) You don't hear much preaching like this. But yet this is a privilege. You see, we have Moses, another thing that the scripture says, Moses saw him that was invisible. Can we see him who is invisible? It's so important. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look to the things which are seen, but to, at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's the basis of of our life of faith. And so, have we confessed like these, that we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth? Have we made that confession and determination? Do Do I esteem the reproach of Christ's greater riches? And as I conclude, I just want to read one more text with you if you can turn to Hebrews 13 as this this epistle is being concluded there is being a direct reference being made to Jesus and his sacrifice at Calvary and how in his sacrifice and being crucified and being condemned and being a curse for us he was to suffer outside the camp or outside the gate. Now listen, it says in verse 12, Therefore Jesus, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. It's, it's a, f- a sign of rejection, condemnation. And, uh, and in verse 13, Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. We have the privilege to bear his reproach. That my life could give glory to God by bearing his reproach. That when they taunt me, when they revile me, when they chide me, when they say evil things against me, when they uh, uh, do all of these things uh, to defame me, the Bible says that I am bearing his reproach. Go outside. Reject Egypt. Reject this world. Go outside and stand and say, I am standing with Christ. I am making a decision to forsake 
all sin. I am going to forsake the pleasures of Egypt. I reject the treasures of Egypt. Uh, I'm, I'm going to no longer enjoy or hold on to the passing pleasures of sin. I'm going to determine and choose and esteem the reproach of Christ. And in doing so, my brothers and sisters, there's no greater privilege and joy in serving the Lord. Can you say amen? God bless us this morning. Let's